So my name is Tim. Uh, thank you for having me here. Uh, I've been sober in AA uh, since the 24th of July 1993. Um, I started going to Al-Anon in 1995, so that's what, 23 years ago. And uh, I qualify for a number of other 12-step fellowships as well. And when I sponsor people, I sponsor a lot of people, uh, when I sponsor people, I share my experience of the AA programme and the Al-Anon programme and a lot of other things which I've learned from a lot of other people over the last quarter of a century. And it's all muddled in my head now. It's all one big pot of things I've learned. So the things I'm going to say today will come from different sources. It will come from AA, it will come from Al-Anon, it will come from other spiritual sources. If anything I say is useful, marvellous. If something is not useful, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't don't get hooked on it and then miss the next hour because you're <laughs> worrying about one thing that you didn't like. So that's all right. Um, and I know it's only what well, however many we are seven people, um, if I can count. Uh, but. I think it's important in recovery not to underestimate what we're doing. Um, how I learned to live came from my parents and my community and my society. So all of my anon problem and then the alcoholism and all of the other addictions were taught to me very diligently by the society I lived in. So I'm not sol in Al-Anon, in whatever fellowship I'm in, I'm not solving a problem that I generated myself. This is the result of thousands of years of dysfunction, all crystallising in me. So we're, over, we're, we're, we're working against a pretty difficult system here. And in some people it manifests as addiction, and other people it manifests as, as the Anonism and... Um, uh, if you're very lucky, you can have both, <laughs> and I have both. Um, uh, I can't tell anyone else's story, so I'm going to be careful about not revealing particular things about particular people in my family, but there the is clearly sex addiction in there, there is clearly alcoholism in there, there is anorexia, there is religious fanaticism, there are all sorts of other destructive patterns left, right and centre. And then there are the people that are the victims of those, but then develop their own pathologies in response to those. So, and I had all of those influences around me, and I've gone through my life replicating all of the mistakes that all of the people I grew up with made. I've become all of those people, one by one, in sequence. <laughs> uh, initially, I was more on the addict side, and then uh, I, dis I discovered my, my, my friends who've met my dear old mother. Uh, they say, oh, your tone of voice just then, that was just like your mother, especially if it was a, 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 a tone of contempt or self-righteousness or criticism or judgment I can 
I actually take on her voice. Um, so there's, there's a lot we're dealing with here. Um, and one of the difficulties in, in Al-Anon, it says in the Al-Anon preamble that we, in Al-Anon, we work the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's all very well, but step one was written for alcoholics. It wasn't written for the rest of us from the Al-Anon perspective. So you've got a bit of a difficulty there because I'll tell you one thing, if you've got an alcoholic or an addict in your life, whatever the addiction, whatever the addiction is, uh, my powerlessness over his alcoholism or his alcohol consumption is the tip of the iceberg. If it were just that, we'd be fine. <laughs> but all I'd have to do is, oh, there's nothing I can do about that. Oh, well. <laughs> but there's more. And so before we get into um, uh, uh, any detail about the programme, um, I, want, I want to invite you, if you're happy to do so, that's fine. If you'd rather not, that's fine. But to say what what brought you here? What 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 problems did you perceive that you thought Essanon might help with? What's the problem? I'm, I'll have to be recorded. Um, so it's um, for me, it was very much um, the unmanageability of my life. It was it was overwhelming to get out of bed in the morning. It was overwhelming to do normal things, um, and I could only ever see problems everywhere. Everywhere I looked that's just a problem and that's just a problem and that's just a problem and he's just another of my problems um, and to me um, to me when I came to program to have a solution that was a whole different mindset like there was now instead of being sucked in the mud there was something to draw me out of the mud mm. that's how I perceived it that's that's what brought me to program that was the, the thing that when I could see this a solution that was a, a big deal for me Anyone else? Um, I think for me, I came looking for an answer to a question I didn't know. I didn't know what the, I didn't even know what the question was. It was, my life was getting increasingly muggy and I didn't know the cause. And there was a lot of, um, there was a dark, dark place and a lot of emptiness in me. Um, I wanted to blame my husband for it. It was a very private, mysterious, invisible addiction. I didn't see it. So it was like, as a glasses wearer, it was like living without glasses on. Um, I couldn't see anything. I didn't know where it was coming from. I didn't know the cause. And I came to the rooms and I found, and I, f I could ex understand myself more and I could slowly understand part of him. Um, but I got the answer in a way before I even understood the question. That makes a lot of sense. Anyone else? Yeah, Kula. Um, <coughs> hi, Sophie. Um, I very much echo what the previous show was. I, I had some evidence, I, I hadn't gone to meeting, but I'd had evidence shown to me through my phone and through other technologies that there was something really wrong. Um, but similar to what I heard earlier, there was stuff that I'd seen in my upbringing that was similar. So I, 
I, I also, I, I was very confused, I didn't know, is that the actual problem, well then I've had that problem already, um, and there was serious problems all around him, it wasn't like, it was very different, I knew that there was something really not right with him, depression and anxiety, and then the stuff that was shown to me, um, but now looking back, like I previously shared, um, I... I realised that the huge amount of stuff that was going on with me was, I would say, now looking back, is it, it was about eighty percent of it. Um, yes, there's there's the addiction in my life, but it's a huge amount about me. So uh, yeah, like glasses on, aware, and looking at myself is is what I'm, I'm beginning to understand. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Um, I knew about the problem for a long, long time before I came to program. Um, I think it was my pride that stopped me coming, thinking he's got a problem, not me. Um, but what was a big thing for me was now being in program and thinking, yes, he was the massive problem. There were loads of issues, there were loads of stuff. It was so obvious there was something wrong even before he told me anything. But um, all my behaviours the way I reacted to him and the way I reacted to other people because of my pain just made things a lot worse instead of having the tools of the programme to learn to behave and, and to learn to be serene and to learn to tap into God. Um, that's what programmes, that's what's taught me. It's not his sickness or my sickness. Yes, he might have a sickness, his sickness will always be there. It's how I relate to it and I related to it in such a bad way before programme. That really did hinder my life and hinder everyone else's around me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I found with me it was very similar to what everyone else was saying. There was there was a lot of things going on that I thought there was something I was doing very fundamentally wrong and I kind of couldn't get a grip on it, which was making me feel very going into patterns that were very unmanageable. And then when I started finding things out, I was just so overwhelmed that this might be something beyond me and I don't really know how to fix it. Like I just needed help to kind of get on with my life, to get on with work, to be able to focus. I was in a place that if I wasn't obsessively busy or really working crazy hours without stopping to sleep, I couldn't do anything else. So I could come in and hear hear about the problem and hear that there's a solution. It was kind of like someone was helping me see what's going on and see that. There's a place to go from here. It's not about us staying. Thank you. Thank you. So I, I want to come at step one from a slightly uh, unusual angle. Unorthodox, if I may use that word. Um, so I'm, I don't want to labour the basic point that... Uh, uh, I know because I've tried, I can't stop anyone else drinking, I can't stop anyone else using. <coughs> um, one, one of the curious, uh, a very, clo- very close friend of mine was a very bad sex addict and we would go on holidays together and he'd disappear. And I knew he was going to disappear because his breathing changed about three hours before. 
there are funny little things you notice. You, uh, one, once you once I realised the pattern, I, I could tell I could tell there was something. There was an absence, and then the breathing changed, and then he was gone, and then he he would be back when he was back. Um, uh, and that's that. It's a fairly it's a it's a fairly straightforward thing, um, but it's the rest of it. It's the rest of the step one, the unmanageability that people talk about, um, and I think it's all about, in my case, knowing where I stop and the next person begins, and it's all about responsibility, and. There are four ways that I get the responsibility question wrong. Uh, the first way is I say to myself, uh, I'm responsible for you. And if you've got someone that is a mess, uh, and it affects everyone, if, if someone is a mess, it, it, its tentacles go all over. Um, there are things not being done which need to be done. There's a very basic thing, you have to pick up after them, you have to anticipate, you, you, you have to make excuses. Oh, he's just tired, I've said about alcoholics. As his face, as I have to stop his face going into the food and prop him back up in the chair. He's had a long week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still embarrassed about those conversations when I'm making up for some. So, so taking responsibility for someone else. So I'm responsible for you. Now the truth is I'm not responsible for you, but that's the the the, the disease says that I am responsible for you. Um, the second responsibility problem is where I said, well, I'm not responsible for me. Because who has the time? Who has the time to look after one's... How, how do I have the time to look after myself when everything else is bleeding and on fire? When everything else is in crisis? I, I, the, the idea that I could spend half an hour doing a jigsaw puzzle is absurd when everyone else is running around screaming, complaining and, complaining and falling apart. Uh, one of the Al-Anon questions is brilliant. It says, do you, something like, do you cook sumptuous feasts for everyone else, but when you're on your own, you just eat straight out of the fridge? <laughs> because who has time? <coughs> and so my own life going to rack and ruin, because I'm so busy being busy and in charge and effective and efficient and the one that everyone relies on but my own cupboard is empty and I'm thinking bitterly to myself when is it going to be my turn um, and that's when you start to you know ask yourself where am I going to hide the body um, <laughs> that's when it's going to be my turn when they're all dead <laughs> And so, not looking up, not looking after myself, uh, and I, I've, uh, th this pattern of my, those two things are very closely related. I'm responsible for you. I'm not responsible for me. I, um, as a good, as a good Al-Anon, uh, I, I do a different career now. But in my twenties, 
um, uh, I got a professional qualification and uh, my job was to go into <laughs> my job was to go into dysfunctional environments and sort them out. It was to go in, find out what went wrong, set everyone right, and then go on to the next one. And of course, because you you get better and better at it, they throw you into more and more complex situations. Just imagine divorcing an addict and then marrying one that is even worse afterwards. And this is this, and they're paying you for it, so you must be doing a good job. And I got to a stage in my twenties where. Uh, I kept getting, uh, now anyone can catch hepatitis once, but to catch different forms, I was going through the alphabet with the different forms of hepatitis. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how I was even being exposed to the virus, but it was getting into me somehow. Um, uh, I kept getting ill. I was ill the whole time. And I did not see the, con I just didn't see the connection with the fact I was efficiently running everyone else's lives but could not get enough sleep, was not eating properly, was not exercising, was not doing what I needed to do. Uh, I, I felt I, as though all I could do was uh, not drown. If today I cannot drown in the responsibilities, today is a good day. And this is no way to live. So these two things are very, very closely linked. I'm responsible for you. I'm not responsible for me. <clears throat> and now, you'd think that would be enough, but there are other forms of insanity as well. It's when I look at the other person and say, you're not responsible for you. Uh, now, this is a slightly different thing. So I'm responsible for you. I don't particularly care about you. I'm just in charge. I've got a plan, the plan is going to be implemented, this is how it's going to be done, stay out of my way. So controlling and bulldozing. The you're not responsible for you is, oh you poor thing, you need me so much. There's a, there's a, a wonderful song in the musical Oliver, uh, uh, there's a woman called Nancy who's married or her boyfriend is, is, is Bill Sykes, who's a, who's a rake and a cad and a scoundrel. And there's a marvellous song um, where she's, she, basically she's considering leaving him. But she says, but he needs me so. <laughs> and it's about how she feels alive because he needs her. And so, um, of, of my friend Tom describes this as going through the world looking for the uh, orphans with the big eyes and the broken wing to look after. There's nothing more satisfying than to have their needy little eyes look up to you in gratitude that you're going to look after them. Because you can't look after yourself, so I'm going to have to. Uh, but also there's a, there's a sinister, sinister side of... Um, uh, you're not responsible for you. It's If you're not responsible for you, you can't be held to account for your actions, so I just have to put up with them. And uh, I'm powerless over someone else's addiction can easily translate into I have to put up with your behaviour no matter what and just keep quiet 
and shut up because you can't help it, you poor thing. And I was taught from an early age to take it. If they're shouting at you, take it. If they're bullying you, take it. Because they can't help it. So you just have to put up with it. And a lot of people shouted at me a lot in my childhood, in the house, out of the house. I seemed to gravitate in school situations towards teachers who would shout, who would use particular pupils as the person to shout at, the person to take out the aggression on. And other kind people said, oh, they can't help it. It's so troubled. Just, just if you let, let the storm blow itself out. And I would deliberately blind myself to the unacceptable behaviour of addicts in my life. Uh, on the basis of this sort of false recognition of, 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 of powers, why I'm powerless over them, they're powerless over themselves, this is just the way things are. Terrified of setting a boundary because they can't help it, that would just be punishing them. So there's all sorts of weird craziness in there about when I say you are not responsible for you. Uh, and then it gets worse. But you are responsible for me. And the, the, that works itself out in two ways. First of all, if I feel something, it's your fault. So I would make lists of all the things I felt and lists of how you are responsible for how I feel. That's what the step four resentment inventory is in the big book. <laughs> All of the ways in which I think other people's behaviour is responsible for how I feel. So I'm not responsible for my emotional life. You're responsible for my emotional life. If you didn't do X, I wouldn't feel Y. And then I wouldn't be obliged to control, bulldoze and caretake. So it's all, it's all your fault that I'm bullying you. And I turned myself into all the people that bullied me. Um, and then this is the curious thing. Um, addicts, and this is speculative because who knows, but one of the points about addiction is it gives you, active addiction gives you access to uh, another world, something beyond the material world. That's why we do it. That the material world, as we see it, is somehow not enough. And it, it's like a portal into somewhere else. And it's almost spiritual, but not quite. And um, uh, Dr. Carl Jung, the psychiatrist, corresponded with Bill W., the founder of AA. For various reasons but one of the reasons was uh, someone who was instrumental in the founding of AA in late 34-35 was seen by Jung and Jung realised that alcoholics needed a spiritual experience. Why? Because what alcoholics are doing with alcohol is they are seeking God but looking in the wrong place. That being drunk gives people for whom alcohol really works. I mean, people just have a drink and feel a bit tiddly. That's that's just... Or you haven't changed reality fundamentally. You've given it a, a, a makeover. But you're fundamentally in the same reality. With alcoholics, it puts you in a different reality, a reality beyond. And Jung used this phrase... Um, 
So, so the question is, we've talked about these different personality types within Al-Anon, S-Anon. Uh, uh, do you have to pick? No, you can be all of them. <laughs> I can be all of them on the same day. Um, so just to illustrate um, how that works, so that the, the I'm not responsible for me, but I am responsible for you, one is kind of causing the other, really. So if, if I'm busy fixing everyone else, there is no time for me. So those two things absolutely go together. Um, the I'm not, uh, you're, uh, I'm responsible for you because you're not responsible for you. Those two go together. It's, it's one of the reasons that I have to take control of your life is because you're so incompetent what would happen if I left you to run it yourself. The, 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 can you see how those two are? Connected. It's like two and two. Yeah. But yeah. Four of them work together. They all four of them. All four of them work together, um, and uh, if you think about the the the, 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 the names for some of these, um, the victim and the doormat. I can be the victim and the doormat on the same day. Now let's define the term so we know what we mean. Uh, the doormat is being trodden all over. But it's saying, oh, 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 no, don't worry. I'm just, I'm just the doormat. It's fine. It's, I, I can take it. Just whatever you need from me, I'll do it. And not recognising that you're giving more than is legitimate. And putting up with behaviour, which you shouldn't put up with because it's not respecting yourself as a human being to put up with certain behaviour. That's the doormat. And the victim, the tiniest little thing, they come in through the door... They've got a scowl on their face and immediately you shout at them because they're not looking at you right. Like, I've done all this for you and you come home and you can't even give me a civil hello. So, like, nothing, almost literally nothing has happened, but I react like it's now DEFCON 1 and I have to go to, you know... Uh, uh, so, those are related, those are completely related. Um... Uh, this misunderstanding about exactly where the other person's responsibility lies, where my responsibility lies. And I can go back and forth between the two. I can put up with terrible behaviour and overreact to small things. And you know what? Those are totally connected because sometimes it's a, it's a very common thing. If, you, if you've got a power relationship over here where your boss is awful to you um, and you can't say anything back, you build up an awful lot of tension and bitterness. And then someone over here does something wrong. And it's only a minor thing. But you think, ah, oh, I've got, okay, I can, I, you don't do this consciously. But you think the bitterness from this other unresolved situation expresses itself over here because it can be. It's the same way that when someone has a horrible, stressful day at work and they come home and they shout at the kids and they shout at the dog because the kids aren't allowed to answer back and the dog is not allowed to answer back. So the tension comes out where it can. So all, yes, all of these things are, are connected. Uh, but it also, it means that there's a, there's a terribly simple solution to all of this. Um, it's tricky getting there. But the simple solution for this, sometimes people say, well, I don't know about boundaries. Boundaries, they're so difficult, aren't they? They're so complicated. I don't know how to say... I don't know where I end and the next person begins. And, and uh, Okay, here is the basic rule. I am responsible for my beliefs, my thinking, my behaviour, 
my feelings, and my internal life. All right. You are responsible for your beliefs, your thinking, your behaviour, your feelings, and your internal life. And now let's breathe for 10 seconds as we take this important information in. And I think the rest of the, the rest of the programme is about getting that implemented in my life. Um, and now I think it's a legitimate question at this point to ask, where does, where does God come into all of this? God has probably been wondering when he's going to get a look in. Uh, <laughs> um, there's a definition of pride. And for this, for these purposes, we're going to take pride to be the same thing as ego, so pride and ego. There are different different definitions of pride out there. They can be the word can be used in different ways, but pride in a spiritual sense. Then the definition is I can send it through to you, Emma, later on uh, if you like. Um, pride is putting self in the place of God as the centre. Or main objective of my life, um, failing to recognise my position as a creature of God, uh, placed in a specific relationship with the rest of the universe. And it's that last bit that's so important, is that all of those breaches of rules of, of who's responsible for what, which is where all the mischief lies, uh, it all boils down to me not knowing my place in the universe. So I think I'm responsible for other people. I don't think I'm responsible for me. I don't think you're responsible for you, but I think you are responsible for me. It's having... So that, that the universe is, has an order. Everyone is given their place. Everyone is given their roles. Everyone is given their duties. Everyone is given their responsibilities. And I'm coming in and saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> These catastrophes, if I don't sort them out, who's going to? So I'd better, I, and because I'm the one paying attention, I need to fix it. No one else is paying attention like I can pay attention. One of the tests of whether, you're, whether you need Al-Anon or Essanon is when you come into a room, do you immediately walk in and scan for trouble? Uh, what needs doing? is, is that, that's the, the motto. Now, I'm not there asking God, what do you want me to do? I'm saying, what do I need to do for me to be okay? If there is trouble, I need to step on it. I need to quarantine it. I need to put it in the cupboard. I need to sweep it under the carpet. I need to fix it before anyone notices, before I can even start breathing. So once everyone else is fine, I'll be okay. So there's no, there's no reliance on God there. And the trick, if my job is to be in my allocated place in the universe, um, I have to be okay with everyone else figuratively going to hell, because they may. And, there's a, and this explains, by the way, the curious line in... Um, um, Psalm 91, where King David says um, something like, a thousand will fall at my right hand side, but I'm going to be fine. <laughs> this is someone with boundaries. This is someone 
that even though he sees everyone else being destroyed, does not interfere with the process. Because he's not being asked to. So I don't have to go down with the ship. If everyone else is going down with the ship, it's their ship, it's not my ship. So the job in the programme is to find my place in the universe and seek to do God's will, not my will. You see, my my will, if, if, if I could say what my sort of sick Alanon will is, I just want everything to be nice all the time. <laughs> and it's going to be nice, whatever the cost. <laughs> and it's this obsession that I cannot rest until everything is neat, everything is tidy, everyone is sitting and behaving in all of their places. And the, I think the, the great sin in that, if I dare use the word sin, the great sin is I'm denying other people their journey. So whatever sin, which is the distancing oneself from God, and return to God, that so that's the journey that people and people go back and forth. They sin, they return. They sin, they return. They sin, they return. Um, my Alanon sin is to say, uh, "Oh no, they shouldn't be on that journey." I'm going to pick them up from where they are. I'm going to place them where they should be and deny them the journey. So they're not allowed the journey of repentance, I'm going to place them back in the hands of God and they're going to stay there. <laughs> and so whatever purpose people are placed in the world to be given the chance to sin and then return to God. So if that, that and that appears to, and not all of the data are in, but that appears to be the plan of the universe, we seem to be given an evil impulse and a good impulse and we're, we, we get to choose which one are we going to... Now, there must be a purpose behind this, otherwise it wouldn't be there, it's not by accident. And my Alanon says, no, no, the design of the universe is wrong, no one should have an evil impulse, and so I'm going to fix it as though it wasn't there in the first place. And I'm, I mean, I can't imagine what God might be thinking, but I can speculate that, that God might be thinking, um... I designed this for a reason. I designed the universe such that people are able to get it wrong and then come back to me. And you're messing with my system here. And so when I am messing, trying to mess with the system of the universe, it is not surprising that I then have trouble accessing my own source of power. Because I can only, it's like with plugs and sockets unless you're you're sticking your plug into the right socket the power is not going to flow and if i'm not sticking my plug in the god socket the power is not going to flow and when i'm off on my own plans to fix control change i'm god is not going to give me the power to do that everyone's getting tired i think we should have some some sugar. Should we stop for a minute? Yes.